This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Outer Blue Convictions, market analysis and asset allocation views. Hello and welcome to a special episode of this Amundi podcast with me, Swaha Pashnaik. This month, we have a two-part package for you focused on the investment outlook for 2024. One part focuses on our predictions for emerging economies and markets. You can find that episode on your preferred podcast platform. In this one, we're going to dive into what lies ahead for advanced economies and their markets. Joining me to talk about all of this is Monica Defend, head of the Amundi Investment Institute. Monica, hello. Hello, Swa. So the title of Amundi's investment outlook for 2024 is Steering Through Turning Tides. Let me start off by asking you, Monica, why did you pick that title? Yeah, sure. With, uh, with pleasure, Swa. And let me start providing you with a little bit of context. Uh, since a few years now, we've been talking about this new global disorder as a result of ideological, economic, political, and technological slow transitions that are coming all together. And this is spreading global uncertainty that foster dispersion in the geopolitical and policy reaction functions. Therefore, what we are seeing uh, is more domestic-oriented policies and more desynchronized monetary policies going forward. Why this is the case? Because there are some regime shifts or turning tides in growth, inflation, and monetary policy stances. When it goes to growth, and you largely discuss this with Yerlan and Vincent in the dedicated podcast, but uh, we are expecting global growth uh, to slow down uh, next year from 3 to 2.5%, with development market almost halving uh, their growth, uh, when referred to 2023, um, prints, uh, we have uh, a mild recession in the US in the first half with a 0.6 expectations uh, on uh, GDP prints for the year. We have the euro area continuing progressing on a flattish growth. We're posting a, a expected 0.5 um, in 2024. And Japan, that is standing out uh, as uh, continuing to lead uh, the developed market growth with an expected 1.5 for next year. It's worth to mention that China is going to slow down uh, this year next year, and probably uh, in the medium term uh, towards a year of 3% uh, percent out of 2025. The second shift we are seeing and uh, turning tides is on inflation, where uh, after plateauing numbers, we expect inflation sliding down to 2.6 in the US, in the euro area, and in Japan in at the end of 2024. Uh, when it goes to 2025, Deal inflation moving down, but not necessarily at the central bank's targets. And this leaves us with the last uh, turning tides in monetary policy. Uh, we have been seeing this incredible uplift in the uh, reference rate uh, for the Fed and the ECB. Well, now we expect uh, an oakish pause. We, see, we will see the uh, economy slowing down possibly running into a mild recession. And then in the second half, probably both the Fed and ECB uh, will start uh, cutting uh, cutting rate. 
Uh, and we've been talking so far on the on the macro front, but there are also interesting turning tides that we can uh, deeply discuss further in the financial markets. The first one I would like to mention is the correlation between equity and bonds that because of these shifts on the macro side is uh, turning into negative again in 2024. Thank you, Monica. That's a really great overview. So maybe as you've got us started on the how to the investment implications of it, perhaps we could stay with that theme and say, how do you play this economic outlook if you're an investor? Yes, we really have in mind an investment sequence. And there are three signposts you should look at. First, when the Fed is plateauing. Second, when the US is entering a recession. And third, uh, when the Fed will start cutting. Again, uh, this is quite US-centric, but we do believe this is going to influence uh, uh, and have global spillover. Well, at the first signpost, Fed plateauing, this is when bonds are back and where we will stay cautious, uh, running into the first half when the U.S. second signpost is running into a recession with a more uh, balanced approach. And then when you will see the Fed uh, cutting, then it will be time to reposition on uh, risk assets. So it will be really a matter of fine-tuning and articulating an investment sequence according to how and when the signposts will materialize and the market will anticipate them. Thank you. So the first sequence uh, signpost that you talked about was when bonds are back sort of really comes into its own. So let's start with fixed income. Could you drill down uh, a little bit more on the fixed income side of things and how that sequence plays out in this area of the market? Yes, the larger tide in uh, in the fixed income market that is uh, uh, turning refers to central banks' effort that are uh, progressively unwinding their balance sheet positions, uh, in particular in uh, uh, in the Govis market, versus large and even larger budget uh, deficit that will need to uh, be refinanced. So this is a medium-term uh, shift that we think will feature market uh, in the years to come. Well, we are seeing, while more tactically, more short-term, we are seeing eventually fresh sign of uh, economic uh, slowdown. And these weeks, we are seeing eventually rates that are uh, trending lower with soft inflation and job uh, market data, oil uh, dropping 20%, I think, uh, since uh, from September. Um, this is really coming uh, into the bounces back uh, story. So we believe that quality bonds, as we enter 2024, will be our preferred uh, asset class. We stay cautious on the periphery, and this is important, not because of the ECB. With one of our conviction is that ECB will maintain the PEP uh, purchase, but because of this progressive deterioration in the uh, economic uh, economic prints. Then there is a euro oil that is uh, offering a nice uh, asymmetric uh, risk return uh, profile. So again, also on the bond side, there is a sequence uh, that we need to, to play, starting quality bonds and progressively, progressively towards the second half of the year, um, entering into more uh, risk, uh, risk bonds, preferably credit. Perfect. And so this sequence, how does it look in the equity market for you? In the equity market, uh, again, flat plateauing, uh, 
possibly pre preferring uh, Japanese uh, equities versus Pacific uh, Japan, UK. This is really uh, meant to be oriented by the uh, sector composition of the index. Uh, amid this uh, macro uncertainty, uh, we really struggle to uh, see strong top-down uh, narrative playing, playing out. So it will be more related to sectors, styles and possibly uh, long thematic. So uh, with the Fed plateauing, uh, defensive, bubbling, defensive and cyclical, uh, quality, uh, equity, uh, low beta, low volatility. When the US enters into a recession, US equally weighted, uh, low beta, uh, quality again. And then when the Fed cuts, this is probably going to favor uh, emerging markets, the EMU area, uh, cyclicals, uh, small cap value, and high beta. So again, there is this recalibration of risk uh, during the year. Great. I'd like at this point to loop back to something you mentioned right at the very outset when you were talking about the big seismic shifts that you'd been, regime shifts that you mentioned. Uh, one of them was about geopolitics. Now, geopolitics hasn't been very far from investors' minds at any point over the past two years, and it's all the more so now since the devastating flare-up in tensions we've seen in the Middle East. What do you and your team, teams view as the main risks that geopolitics poses from an investment point of view? Well, in general, 2024 will be a year of transition, growing tensions and uh, protectionism. And this, uh, as you were mentioning, uh, moves us back uh, to what we were um, calling at the beginning this new global uh, disorder that is progressively uh, materializing. But the good news is that most of the tensions uh, won't boil over. And this goes uh, to uh, the tensions in the, in the Middle East. Uh, China and uh, and the U.S. an extremely rich um, election uh, calendar. Uh, then there is uh, this uh, medium long ter term trend that relates again to the new global disorder, but uh, it's really this global powers competition where regions and countries are more focused on individual needs and where probably we will see less US and EU uh, influence, but this come up with opportunities. The winners will be those who will diversify away from China, Russia, the United States, that will engage new supply chains routes. I'm thinking about Asia, namely notably India or Vietnam, or uh, those uh, regions and countries that are rich in natural resources, and this is typical on the on the LATAM. So really the geopolitical order is something that um, we truly believe will have to be part of the narratives and the way you approach asset allocation. Absolutely. Around geopolitics, though, I mean, even more so than economics, and we all know how much uncertainty there is on the macro front, given what is perhaps, you know, the base scenario may be quite good, but the uncertainty that's on either side, what sort of hedging strategies might be appropriate for this sort of environment? Well, with this um, outlook in mind, obviously, this is reflected uh, into uh, our uh, positioning that remains cautious. So, is the core allocation that uh, is aligned with the base scenario that we have in mind. So, um, when it goes to edges, probably it's gold to hedge uh, versus uh, geopolitical risk. And given that inflation uh, is uh, uh, drifting lower, 
but is still above uh, the, the targets. And because of this uh, pending geopolitical uh, risk, probably uh, it is uh, relevant to maintain uh, this uh, inflation resistant uh, nature in the, uh, in the portfolios via commodities. Uh, just to protect you, you know, uh, on uh, uh, on inflation or potential inflation uh, spike. Having said that, the correction on oil is definitely one of the good news uh, that uh, we have seen over the last quarter. Great. So we've been talking quite a bit about some of the turning points that you expect to see in the next year. But the outlook also highlights investment opportunities that are linked to longer term themes. Could you tell us a little bit more about them, please? Yeah, sure. Uh, I truly believe that uh, uh, flavoring infl- uh, portfolios uh, with long thematic uh, in the uh, core uh, asset allocation will prove um, uh, an interesting and adding value, um, adding value, um, investment strategy. And I have in mind, uh, well, the net zero, uh, transition and whatever, uh, relates, uh, into that from, uh, investment infrastructure, uh, to, uh, capital, uh, allocation, uh, to, to commodities, artificial, uh, intelligence. When it goes to um, artificial intelligence deployers, uh, such as fintech, healthcare, consumer or um, IT service uh, companies, uh, typically uh, consultancy, or why not um, Taiwan or uh, Korea because of their dominance in uh, memory boosts uh, and, uh, and and chips. So uh, there is a, I, I do believe that given the macro uncertainty that will remain there, uh, we really need to stick uh, to medium to uh, long-term themes reflected into sector allocation. Thank you, Monica. That was a lot to chew over, both in the one-year view and the longer-term outlook, and plenty of flux to look forward to in the year ahead. Thank you very much for laying all of that out so clearly. Thank you, Swa. And obviously, you might find that you will find more details and description into our Outlook documents that will be published soon. Absolutely. Check them out. And thank you for tuning in this month. Join us again soon. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors, as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets and financial instruments called MIFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.